This is a production of Dirty Mo Media. Hello, my name is Rick Houston, and the story of the 1990 spring race at North Wilkesboro was glorious. White-knuckled, God-fearing, and most definitely spun out and half-turned over. Just six races into the 1990 Winston Cup campaign, there had already been enough drama and controversy to last an entire season. Derek Cope won the Daytona 500 after Del Earnhardt blew a tire on the final lap. Derek Cope wins the Daytona 500 in a remarkable upset here at the World Center of Racing. Mark Martin went to victory lane at Richmond. The team was later hammered with a huge fine and points penalty for what NASCAR determined to be an illegal carburetor spacer plate. Mark Martin has won his second Winston Cup race. Kyle Petty started from the pole at Rockingham, dominated the entire race, and won. As a result of winning the race from the pole, Kyle collected a whopping bonus of more than $226,000 from Unicap. Bristol saw Michael Waltrip involved in a savage crash during the Tracks Bush Series event. It seemed inconceivable that anyone could survive an accident that looked so horrific. Yet Michael stood up in the midst of what remained of his car, and there wasn't much, and walked away from the accident site. Michael Waltrip in his car having hard contact out of turn two. We'll check in to see what's going on. The safety crew's over at turn two after this. Hard contact with the guardrail. Stay tuned. The next day, Davey Allison and Mark Martin finished side-by-side with the nose of Davey's car just eight inches ahead of Mark's at the checkered flag. And Michael Waltrip? He went the distance that day in his cup car after spending the night at a nearby hospital. Then came North Wilkesboro, and people are still fussing about that one. A lot of people consider it one of the biggest scoring snafus in NASCAR history. They say the win should have gone to Darrell Waltrip, or maybe Dale Earnhardt, instead of Brett Bodine. Who do I think won the race? I'm not prepared to say just yet. Let's just lay out what happened, and then you can decide. Brett Bodine qualified 20th for the first Union 400 at North Wilkesboro. The race was held on April 20th, 1990. The morning of the race, Brett's then-wife Diane found a $20 bill on the ground outside of the NASCAR hauler after Larry McReynolds, Brett's crew chief at King Racing, and Larry's wife Linda had both stepped on it. Brett carried that $20 bill in the pocket of his uniform that day and it turned out to be one heck of a lucky charm. The field is moving through the third and fourth turns now here at North Brook It's a sellout crowd. Beautiful weather here in the Brushy Mountains. The pace car pulls off. Felix Sabatis will be waving the green flag to begin this first Union 400, and there it is. The race is on. Battle for the lead develops as Darrell Walter, but number 17 passes Mark Martin for the lead. Wow, he made that look easy. Dale also going high off the second corner. He's going to try Walter now and see if he can't move into the lead again. Can Daryl hold him off to the inside? 
Earnhardt now begins to move around Daryl Waldrop, but Waldrop isn't real happy about relinquishing the lead. Finally, he does, and Dale Earnhardt is the new leader. Brett began a cycle of green flag stops on lap 301. It turned out to be a lightning-fast stop, and afterward, the native New Yorker was ready to set sail. Larry McReynolds is a pretty smart guy, and he, uh, we had talked about it the night before in our race strategy. One of the plans was we might have to take a chance and pit early to get new tires on because you were making up a second, second and a half a lap. So if you're on a 24-second lap, if you're a half lap down, 12 seconds, if you can get them on for 10 laps, you, you're, you've made up all your time. So we pitted early. And we were kind of, you know, I'm going to say, well, I'm not saying we were off the radar screen, but because we were always at half lap down, it didn't look like we were a contender. He was more, in, Dale and Kurt Shelmerdine were more intrigued with uh, Darrell Walt, you know, and where he was running. So we pitted, and we got about a six-lap head start on these new tires with them. Well, our team cranked off the pit stop of their careers. Absolutely, it was flawless. I mean, Absolutely the fastest one we'd ever done, and I'm not so sure at the time wasn't the fastest ever done. And again, that was documented on TV. Larry Mack also remembers the green flag pit stop. We had pitted under green four fresh tires, and four fresh tires at North Wilkesboro was like worth its weight in gold. I mean, you 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 were Superman for a few <laughs> laps because the old tires, you were probably three or four seconds slower. Well, we short pitted. So we got advantage of those fresh tires and unlapped ourselves from the pit stop. The number 26 car of Brett Bodine, which was leading not too long ago, has come in for what could be his final pit stop of the afternoon should we remain green the rest of the way. He was running in fourth position when he came in for the stop. Now, Dell Earnhardt pitted under green on lap 315. Here is Earnhardt, the leader, who brings the Goodrich Chevrolet on the pit road. Now, they will change all four tires on the car number three. Darrell Waltrip followed three laps later. Nine-time winner here at North Wilkesboro Speedway. Darrell Waltrip has the tied Chevrolet now. Crew going to 20.9, although they had some trouble still a great pit stop for the tied crew. Boy, it was. 20.9 seconds for a four-tire change. You can't ask for better than that from the Darrell Waltrip crew. This is where things get a little tricky. NASCAR would later determine that Brett unlapped himself when Earnhardt pitted. And then Brett took the lead when DW came in for service. Does that sound about right? Instead, the hit the fan. Kenny Wallace made the first start of his Winston Cup career in this event. He spun in turn one to bring out the 10th and final caution on lap 320. Spin down in turn one, Kenny Wallace is involved. Kenny Wallace slams the wall in turn number one. And a lot of pit stops were made just a couple of laps too soon, weren't they? Darrell Walter, what, two laps? Two laps too soon. He could have had the entire field a lap down, I think. The pace car picked up Dell Earnhardt as the leader, but he wasn't the leader. Brett Bodine was. Elmo Langley, the pace car driver, uh, you know, God rest his soul, great man. Just, he picked up Dale Earnhardt as the leader. So I go around to the back of the field, and at that time, the scoring was hand-scored. Yeah. And every 10 laps, your score, you ran 10 laps, they held your card up. So lead score could get a rundown every 10 laps. Very accurate 10-lap rundown. My score is the only one holding the card up. 
everybody's yeah. going by. Clear back to Brett. Yeah, they motioned Earnhardt to go by. He didn't want to go by, and they just kept motioning. Now they're telling him to tilt. They're telling Childress to tell him to go by. Brett is the leader. I don't know. Maybe what? Maybe he had been in a, a lap by himself, and that's why they let Earnhardt go around. Is that what happened? I was a lap ahead of the field because they didn't pick me up. I'm at the back of the field, one lap ahead of everybody. Most everybody else thought that Brett should have been at the tail end of the lead lap, not the leader. Dale, D.W., Mark Martin, Dick Trickle, and Morgan Shepard stayed on the track during the caution. Brett pitted for four more fresh tires. Brett was not happy with the turn of events at first. He was the leader. And the restarts were double file at the time. Lead lap cars on the outside, lap cars to the inside. Larry Mack had to sort things out with NASCAR, listen to Brett fume on the radio, and deal with what was taking place in the pits. Everybody pitted. We won the battle off pit road. Pace car still has us. And I've got Brett screaming on the radio. I've got Brett's wife, Diane, beat me on the shoulder. And I went, stop. <laughs> Look. We are the leader, and we've got four fresh tires. I don't know what else we can do here. We just need to, to <laughs> pump the brakes and be cool, yeah. and we can win this race. The caution lasted 17 laps while NASCAR chief scorer Morris Metcalf sorted things out. On pit road, everybody was voicing their opinion, one way or the other. So Morris Metcalf, he realized we had a problem. And he sciences it all out, as Morris was very capable of doing back then. And uh, the pace car waved everybody by, and they lined up behind me, and we restarted the race. Going back to green at a resumption of racing on lap 339. We have been yellow because of a crash down in turn one involving Kenny Wallace, and then the NASCAR scores have sorted out the standings determined that Brett Bodine, and number 26, is the leader, followed by Dale Earnhardt, then Darrell Waldrop. Now Darrell Waldrop sets his sights on the leader, Brett Bodine. Uh, Brett Bodine is running very strong. Yes, he is. The question is, can he hold off the challenge of Darrell Waldrop? Now, Darrell is about a half a straightaway behind in second position, but the laps are clicking on. All right, and the drama begins to build now. Can Brett Bodine enter the status of Winston Cup winners. But here comes Darrell Waldrop. He is charging. He has passed Terry Labonte and now has clear racetrack between himself and Bodine. There's the separation between the two. Can Brett Bodine hold on for his first Winston Cup win? He's going to do it. Brett Bodine wins the first Union 400. The top five in the first Union 400. The winner, Brett Bodine. Darrell Waldrop second. Dale Earnhardt third, Ricky Rudd fourth, and Morgan Shepard was fifth. Brett went on to beat Darrell Waltrip to the checkered flag by nearly a second. Less than three months later, DW sustained a number of serious injuries, including a broken leg during a practice session at Daytona. 1990 would be Darrell's first winless Winston Cup season since 1974. It broke a streak of 15 straight years with at least one victory. To this day, Daryl Waltrip continues, <laughs> and I know Dale Earnhardt would too, but Daryl Waltrip has got terrible sour grapes over this race for a couple reasons. 
It was the only year he didn't win a race. That ended his streak of not winning races that year. But as I say to Daryl, you had 85 laps to pass me, and you couldn't even keep up. ODW doesn't get much sympathy from Larry McReynolds either. As I tell people today, they do not put asterisks by win. And you know what? ODW stole a fuel along his career, and I don't have any guilty conscience about that one. Brett remembered there being 85 laps remaining in the race after the final restart, while Larry Mack figured there were 50 or 60. There were actually 62 laps left. The point remains the same. Darrell Waltrip had plenty of time to get back around Brett for the lead. And he didn't. We had a good car that day, Rick. And I'll never, ever let the scoring situation debacle take away from it. Because no matter what, and I've told Daryl this, you still had 50 laps to pass us, and you couldn't. So it's not like it, it, it happened with just a few laps to go. There still was about 50 or 60 laps to go. So who do I think won? Even Larry Mack still isn't sure. Me? I'm going with Brett Bodine. Hands down, no question. This has been a glorious, white-knuckled, God-fearing, spun-out-and-half-turned-over racing story. And if you're not too overly upset with me calling Brett Bodine the winner of the 1990 spring race at North Wilkesboro, check back in with me next week. Did you enjoy this glorious racing story? Leave us a rating and review and tell your friends. Glorious Racing Stories is a production of Dirty Mo Media, hosted by me, Rick Houston. This show is produced by Andrew Curland, executive producers Mike Davis and Jason Schultz. Artwork is by Sean Sin. Special thanks to Leah Vaughn. Broadcast audio is credited to MRN. CBS, ESPN, and ABC. Check out Dirty Mo Media on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Dirty Mo!